0: Today, I'm talking to Michelle Fanley, co-editor of Our Friend Faustina, Life Lessons in Divine Mercy with Emily Jaminet. And Michelle, good to talk to you. Good to it is you great on. to be here,
1: Chris. Yeah, welcome.
0: How did you meet your friend Faustina? You know,
1: I first became introduced to Divine Mercy and St. Faustina back in the 90s when um, my parents introduced me to Divine Mercy. And Divine Mercy Sunday, and but I really um, got to know Saint Faustina better when I was in college. I went to um, Franciscan University, and I was studying abroad in Austria. And um, one of my favorite trips um, while studying abroad was to Krakow. And I um, went because everybody else was going to the shrine yeah. of Divine Mercy, the Sister Faustina's con- convent there. Before mm-hmm. she was even a saint, she was still a blessed back then, sure. and. It was amazing um, to be able to pray there before her tomb, to be able to pray with the sisters. The sisters Mm -hmm. were um, praying the chaplet. We arrived just before the three o'clock hour. So we prayed. And then later on, um, as a young adult, I read the diary of St. Faustina. And that was very profound, very touching, because it's much like scripture. um, It wasn't just a dialogue between Faustina and Jesus. Um, It had a lot to say to me as
2: well.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, one thing that, that I had talked to you guys about at the time that we were putting putting together this collection was just, I felt like there really wasn't kind of a literature around Faustina, her spirituality, that sort of thing. And we gathered, you guys gathered those, those women's testimonies because in a special way, you know, I think we need to hear from other women about her spirituality. What do you think men can learn about women by reading Faustina's diary, by studying Divine Mercy?
1: Well, I think everybody can really look at her extraordinary yet ordinary example. You know, Mm -hmm. she wasn't a public speaker. She didn't have the Internet, but she was given this task of spreading divine mercy around the entire world. Mm -hmm. And what little things she did in her daily life. You know, she worked in the kitchen. She worked as a doorkeeper. She gardened. Mm -hmm. You know, she did laundry. All these things are things that everybody does in their their everyday life. And if you use those as means of sanctification and then she was such a great example of, you know, bending her will mm-hmm. to the will of God. And I think as especially as Americans, we certainly yeah, uh, want to have our own way, and our prayer is more about well asking God for things. Yeah. But what Saint Postina teaches us, I love that page in the diary with a big X on it. Mm-hmm. Like today, from now on forward, my will does not exist. You know, yeah. and that is a very um, powerful thing that we all need to learn to mm-hmm. to become saints. Because until we yeah, absolutely become do what God's will, right, to mm-hmm. become a saint,
0: yeah yeah and' it's that's, that's really important to, to talk about kind of the universality of divine mercy, the universality of what she wrote. But I do want to kind of push you a little bit on just I feel like there's, there's definitely got to be kind of an expression of the feminine genius that John Paul talked about and and what was there, what was there in Faustina's writing and Faustina's uh, spirituality that, that really comes from a woman's heart from a woman's soul that's kind of revelatory of that genius?
1: Well, I think one of my um, favorite stories is the potato pot story. Mm-hmm. Um, where Saint Faustina, she struggled doing yeah. something, and struggled with um, pouring off the hot water off the potatoes, mm-hmm. and how she prayed about it and yeah. asked God, and God promised He would make that release that from her. You know, give that, yeah. make that easier for her. And that evening, He did. And not only did, you know, she poured off the pots easily, but then when she opened the lid, Mm -hmm. she saw beautiful roses. And where God said to her then, for what you do for me is like a throne, a Mm -hmm. bouquet of roses before my throne. And I think that is, our, we we live out our feminine genius mm-hmm. and strive to be who God has created us to be in our vocation as wives, mothers, lay mm-hmm. women, or sisters, whatever God has chosen us in a particular vocation. Yeah. Then we do those tasks the best we can. That is what gives glory to God, and okay. that is our beautiful bouquet. And so I think, as you know, women we we don't have to be to be men, or we don't yeah. have to accomplish great things, but living out our vocation. Has wives, mothers, or religious, that is what is going to be a beautiful bouquet before the throne of God.
0: So sort of the elevation of of life, whether you have a huge responsibility, well, they're all huge responsibilities in some sense. Anytime you're responsible for another human being, huge responsibilities. So I guess the elevation of everything through love and through that openness to God's love in the moment.
1: Yes, absolutely. When you are, you know, we, I like to say, you know, when you're making spaghetti for your family and if you're praying the chaplet of divine mercy, right, we're, we're learning to pray in union with our vocation. And mm-hmm. that is a beautiful gift that we can give to our families and to the greater world. You know, we, we're praying for the whole world when we say the chaplet of divine mercy, for the sake of His yeah. sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world, you know, and yeah. using those times when we're driving in the car, Right, and when we pick, most people, women pick up their kids probably about three o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're waiting at the bus stop. Use that time to pray the chapel to divine mercy. You know, that's another great thing Saint Faustina taught us to to pray unceasing, unceasingly and mm-hmm. and within our, the, our vocation, our vocational call. We have okay. called an active life, like she was, but we can still be in union with God. Okay,
0: so so what I'm hearing from you then is a Faustinian spirituality is kind of finding the sacred and the ordinary, the greatness in the things that seem humble.
1: Yes. absolutely being an everyday mystic, I heard another mm-hmm. um, author say, and finding those moments during your day to, to connect with God. And she, had, and she had so many beautiful gems and such a strong devotion also to the Blessed Mother. And that mm-hmm. was a very
3: yeah. wonderful
1: you know, thing for me to, to see and to emulate um, yeah. how she had that strong devotion to, mm-hmm. to the Blessed Mother. And that played a huge role in her spirituality as well as mine.
0: yeah well when you when you were sorry when you were talking about your journey at the outset, you were talking about the pilgrimage to the international shrine, which you know it's huge and we think of that we think of the Jubilee of Mercy, you know international Faustine is this huge figure, but in her own lifetime she was the gardener. she was the gatekeeper, she was the cook. She was not necessarily the sister that people thought of when they thought of the congregation. She was very humble and kind of hidden, even as she was interacting with, with the girls under the congregation's care. So so that that's just that's a really important reminder of the kind of the law of the gospel, it seems, of blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, you know, and great are those who seem least among you. Jesus the son of a carpenter, kind of thing. That's really interesting. Um but, you... And
1: that's how we often live, right? As wives yeah. and mothers, we do a lot of things that nobody ever sees us do, nobody ever says thank you. Yeah. But it is through those humble acts of everyday, yeah our everyday life when we offer it up to Christ and, mm-hmm. and become points of sanctification.
0: And those are the things that often are remembered. You know, the the child remembers the kind word. The child remembers the meal prepared. You know, like these are the things that form either a happy childhood or an unhappy childhood are when mothers are mothers, as opposed to when the, the parents just have no time for the child, or are not, not thinking of the child, not responsive to the child. Um, so it is. These are the things that that form. Kind of saints or not, I guess the, those little ordinary things. It's interesting, um, but. So talk to me I love about- one of the
2: I was going to
1: say one of the other author, other authors and our friend Faustina had written how um Faustina was a favorite among um the people she nannied for mm-hmm. and how she loved to play with the children and yeah. I think that was and she was so joyful I think a lot of times we think of St. Faustina of the, the traditional image, which she's kind of, she's in her habit and she kind of has a stern look on her face, mm-hmm. but there's some beautiful images of Faustina with cherry red cheeks yeah. and she's smiling and she has kind of a, yeah. you know, a little bit of a strawberryish color, you know, tint to her hair and mm-hmm. you know, one of the, one other um, Sister Faustina, Maria Pia, who wrote a chapter in our first friend Faustina said, you know, they called her the lawyer because she mm-hmm. like she could argue a situation and, yeah. and everyone wanted to sit next to her at bunch mm-hmm. because she was so fun to be around so i yeah. think it's good to see saints in that light and she's very mm-hmm. normal like us and yeah. and and to be joyful in our vocation is also yeah. really important because you know no one wants you know a sour-faced saint right like mm-hmm. <laughs> to be yeah. as wives and mothers and work in our working field uh, to to bring the joy of christ
0: yeah and that's interesting kind of the spirituality of joy the because it can easily feel like it's a betrayal of spirituality. We, t- we we tend to think that spirituality must only mean the penance, must only mean the suffering, must only mean uh, the the um, sacrifice and, and don't remember that there's also trust. There's also we're in the hands of a merciful God and not simply an angry God, that God loves us, not simply demands things of us. That's interesting. And especially when we have apparently impossible things. Like you're talking about Faustina as a very joyful figure. At the same time, she had this impossible task of preparing the world for the second coming. So so joy, even in the face of great challenge, how how would you say the average mother combines those things?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely always, you know, challenging when you're doing something that's difficult, mm-hmm. but we can always choose joy. We can always, you know, when you want to have that, you know, quick you know, you know, answer to your child, or you you don't want to get to get up the millionth time to get a cup of water, you know, living out mm-hmm. motherhood is living out the works of mercy. Okay. And when we do this with joy when we get out of bed and give our child a smile with that glass of water. Yeah. Um, that makes a huge difference. And you know we didn't do it just out of obligation mm-hmm. that we did it out of love. Yeah. And it's it's a conscious decision we have to make with every act and we're not going to be perfect at it. But when you serve out of joy mm-hmm. and that's when we are giving fully of ourselves, we find true joy. So okay. I think it all is interconnected in that way.
0: So teaching your children to live divine mercy is a lot by example, it sounds like.
1: Yes. Like they see how you behave for them. You mm-hmm. behave for their neighbors, to their friends. You know, mm-hmm. we have all of us go through times and we have women who have have had babies, women who are sick, you know, or families who are going through a tough time when yeah. you're helping. I experienced this myself when my, my son had gotten very ill several years ago and Families took care of my other children. They brought us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They, you know, they came to visit us. They spent time with us. And most importantly, they prayed for us. So living out divine mercy is you know something we can when we do that for other people our children see that and see mm-hmm. that's important to go to a funeral mass it's important to pray the chapel of divine mercy for someone who is dying mm-hmm. it's important to bring that family a meal when they're in a difficult time so they're all little things you can be could be simple yeah. things what we, we do we teach you know kids are always texting right mm-hmm. so I teach them that you know what, your friend is going through a hard time, send them a text message, send them a scripture quote, um, send them a quote from the diary, mm-hmm. uh, a saint quote. There's all kinds of beautiful things we can do that, that our children will see that how we, and then we, we teach them how to do these things. Take them with you when you go to the nursing home or take them with you when you bring a meal to the family. And then they see how people are impacted mm-hmm. by our works of mercy. Okay.
0: You know, one thing you'd said in your entry I found especially interesting and, and I think comes up a lot for people of just you talk about learning that divine mercy was more than a get out of jail free card. What do you what did you mean by that?
1: You know, when you're a teenager and I, I I personally was just, you know, wanted to live my life my way. And I kinda told God, Well, you know, don't worry, in a few years, right, I'll give all this up mm-hmm. and then I'll leave a good, clean life. But for me, you know, I knew that if I Divine Mercy Sunday, right? All my sins were going to be washed away. And mm-hmm. and so I kind of thought of it as an out. But in reality, you know, what Divine Mercy is, is an invitation mm-hmm. to this great love of Christ, to the great mercy. Yeah. And it's not a mercy we take can take for granted. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing. But you realize that this was something to help me grow in my spirituality, to help me live out mercy in my daily, daily life, to to shed my sins, you know, tried to stop sinning. So I think, you know, when you look at, I looked at it initially as, Oh, this was a great, it's a great devotion, right? A devotion with benefits, mm-hmm. but it still has beautiful benefits, but I was thinking the wrong way. So I learned that divine mercy is something that you you just, it's like breathing, right? Mm-hmm. You want to breathe out mercy and breathe in the breath of God. And so it's a beautiful beautiful gift, this devotion, to understand God's mercy mm-hmm. and then to spread it to others. Okay.
0: So how do you... how do you I mean, because there's certainly an element of, of... Certainly there's a call for penance. Certainly there's a call for reparation. Um, certainly there's a call for recognizing that sin has consequences, and so we're supposed to avoid it. And on the other hand, though, there, there does seem to be kind of that sense of, here is grace for you who are going to fall, and this will help you keep getting back up again. How do you balance kind of trust versus presumption and avoid presumption and and go deeper into trust?
1: Yeah, that's a, you know a hard one. I think we, as we move forward and growing into holiness, we start to um, hate sin more, like understand mm-hmm. sin more. I think yeah. the more we grow in holiness, you start to realize that even things you weren't you wouldn't think were sinful before are like, oh, I should never have said that about that person, right? Because that's really damaging to their reputation, right? But before I might have gossiped freely. Mm -hmm. So these things you start to see the ugliness of and you start to have a a softer heart. And I think that was one of the most beautiful gifts I was given through learning about divine mercy. And I know Father Gately's books really um, Mm -hmm. inspired me and taught me about allowing my heart to be softened and to see the ugliness of sin and not wanting to, you don't, you know, I don't want to sin because I don't want to offend God now, not because I'm going to go to hell Mm -hmm. that, I mean, we know it's still real, but you don't do it out of fear, but out of, out of love. So when I do things and you, your heart is like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I did that. I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. I offended that person. I'm so sorry. I offended you, God. And that, starts to be a change in your mentality of mm-hmm. not wanting to offend somebody you love, yeah. God, versus, oh, I just don't want to be punished for for what I did.
0: Hmm. So it, it kind of sounds like when I'm hearing you talk about growth and holiness going along with growth and recognition that these actions have consequences, it sounds an awful lot like the process of a child growing from childhood to adulthood. Of coming to a deeper appreciation of I need to do these things, or taking on additional responsibility that kind of was always there, but maybe someone else was taking on for you. Kind of talk to me about that holiness as as growth, as that as a similar process to to growing from childhood.
1: Yes, absolutely, because we when we start taking steps in our faith, right? we do a lot of things because our parents said, you know, Mm -hmm. we have to do this or you pray the rosary out of obligation, or you go to mass out of obligation, or you do these things because your parents tell you, you have to do these. But Mm -hmm. as you start to own your own faith and you start to make choices, and then you might start initially making these choices out of obligation. But then when you start to develop that relationship with God, I want to get up every morning and read the scriptures and pray. And I want to go to daily mass Mm -hmm. and I want to pray the chaplet of divine mercy. And I want to read the diary of St. Faustina. and that becomes a desire Mm -hmm. in your heart and you want it to, to continue to grow and to, to continue to become a better disciple of Christ and to love Jesus better. Yeah
0: yeah being helpful to a parent isn't just i have to do this because i'm obliged it becomes my parent needs help and so i'm going to be helpful to them yes yeah
1: yes and it's just like right for your you know you listen to your parents when you were young but now that if they're older and Mm. they need to be taken somewhere you you don't do it out of obligation you do it because you love your mom and dad and and you want the best for them
0: and eventually there's a friendship there's a friendship between children and their parents over time
1: and i think that's very much like our relationship with god i think We think of God as, you know, demanding things of us and only wanting things, Mm -hmm. but really what he wants is our love and a relationship with us. And he wants to be our, to be our friend. And that's a beautiful gift. As you grow in your spiritual life, Mm -hmm. you, you know, find God as your refuge, as your strength. And it's so important.
0: Yeah. And generosity becomes a habit. It's something you're trained into. It's not this onerous, difficult sacrifice
1: right it's not about being a sacrifice it's about you know doing things out of love mm-hmm. and just saying what things you do things now for your child yeah. where you know you are trying to you know you, everything about parenting can be really different mm-hmm. so uh difficult so it's really hard to 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 focus try you know sometimes things we do we might have to get up out of obligation mm-hmm. but in the middle of the night or feed a child or, you know, get, wash them for the thousandth time or do the dishes for the 10,000th or the laundry at yeah. the 10,000th time. But those are all things that we do because we love our kids and we yeah. want them to have, you know, food to eat and mm-hmm. clothes to wear and, and those type of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it's interesting how your perspective changes as it becomes less kind of onerous and more habitual when generosity is a habit rather than, This huge stretch.
1: Yes, and you but just your heart starts to grow. Like Mm -hmm. I think you learn, I mean, I think sometimes it's out of ignorance. You don't do good things for people just because you hear you hear these terrible things happen to them. You hear that this person has cancer, you hear this person's going through a hard time and you think, Oh, that is so awful. Mm -hmm. But then you don't use your arms to reach out and do anything. And then yeah. yeah. But then you when you start to think it's not that hard to reach out and text that person or to pause and pray with mm-hmm. them or to, to bring them, bring them a meal, bring, to go yeah. visit them, bring them a cup of coffee. And then you start to learn that it is a very important thing to do. Yeah. Especially once you've felt that mercy yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that's such an important thing to remember that it's not about our strength. It's about responding to grace and responding to opportunity and saying yes to God. Um, And sometimes that means a matter of discernment and no, that's not for me. That crosses too much. But other times it's a matter of just take the first step. Like I tend to get overwhelmed by things and one of the great things that I've learned over the years is something is better than nothing. Some small step is better than, than no step at all.
1: Absolutely. And so it doesn't have to cost anything or do anything, you know, it it could be literally a text message to, to that person. Or, you know, I like to say, I like to send mercy in the mail, you know, send a card, a mask card. I think the mask cards are one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. to to send to people. And so many people don't even realize that they exist. And they think, wow, like, there these people other people are praying for me mm-hmm. and, and when you have the, all of the, the marians yeah. are are praying with you, you know yeah. that is amazing to people to realize that that is an opportunity yeah. um to do so right you don't have to do something huge. You don't mm-hmm. have to do anything life changing, but a small act of mercy is definitely better than, And you people remember every single thing, you yeah. know, that you do, especially in a hard time. You know, whether you go to that wake or that funeral or yeah. you you stop by or you picked up that phone and they remember those important things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting the way you put that because I kept on thinking signs of presence. And and that really kind of tied into the image in my head, where Jesus gives us this kind of explicit sign of his presence, of he's he's everywhere, but we can forget that when you can't see something, it's like he's not there. So he gives us the image to kind of as a as a not even as a stand-in, but as a a sign of presence and as a, a means of presence. Talk to me about the importance of that, especially as a mother of kids, you know, having sharing divine mercy with kids.
1: I think the image is so powerful. And I know, you know, Emily, my co author, she wrote in um, the book that, you know, Jesus gave us a selfie and mm-hmm. we need images. Yeah. And we use a lot, right? You think of your cell phone, how many thousands of pictures you have on your cell phone right. and how many, you know, and so images are really important to our minds. And in fact, you know, the way our mind works, when you see an image, it lasts longer in your brain. It also comes back to mind frequently. Mm-hmm. So having that image, in your home allows you, 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 me as a mother to see it as I'm, you know, walking past the mantle and and also the children to see that image and then to teach them, you know, Jesus is walking toward you. Right. And those rays, those rays are reaching out to you. They're pouring out graces and having those graces in your home. It's so important to have religious images, especially Mm -hmm. the divine mercy image in your home. There is so many graces associated with it, having it, to take when you're going to pray for someone who's dying, bring Mm -hmm. that with you. I put it one in my office, um, have that image everywhere. Mm -hmm. And and it's such a recognizable and um, beautiful image of Jesus. So, so welcoming. Mm -hmm. It's such, it's a beautiful gift. And it's oftentimes a conversation starter to someone who don't may not know Mm -hmm. um, anything about divine mercy. In fact, one day our school janitor came in and he looked at a picture on my Well, and he Mm -hmm. said, hey, that's the same image we have in church. I said, well, yes, it is. And then do you know about divine mercy and what Mm -hmm. this stands for? And so it it is such a beautiful way to open up that conversation with people um, and to share that message of mercy.
0: Okay. Do Do you find that you have to do a lot of explaining to other women today? Like, does Festina translate really well to your contemporaries who aren't necessarily as devoted to the faith?
1: I think people are fascinated when they've read Mm -hmm. um, our friend, Faustina, they said, I didn't know anything about St. Faustina or the diary. And this makes me want to read the diary. And I think that is the biggest gift of this book because people, it's, it's, you know, when you look at the diary Mm -hmm. initially, you'll think, wow, that is a huge book. It can seem overwhelming to even, to even start reading that. But when you have little, we just we put a lot of beautiful quotes in mm-hmm. our friend Faustina, so it gives people an introduction. Yeah. And they realize, oh, this is relatable. This is something I can read. This mm-hmm. is something I can understand. And it's a, a gentle introduction. So I think that's yeah. been one of the beautiful gifts mm-hmm. of writing our friend Faustina is introducing women to, to more than just, oh, I know St. Faustina yeah. because of the divine mercy image. But to really get to know her beautiful spirituality and what, all the amazing things that are yeah. in, in
0: the diary. Yeah, which is so amazingly relevant. And I think that some people can, can you know, a nun in the 1930s in Poland, and it just seems like these layers of, of kind of either strangeness or otherness, when people who actually do delve into the diary find this incredibly relatable soul, I think. It, have you have you had to explain that to people? I mean, the book does it, but have you had to, in your conversations or your when you give talks, have you had to explain that?
1: I think one of the, you know, three things we talk about always when Emily and I speak is, you know, three things we learned from St. Faustina that relate to us as lay women. And I think women have been, their eyes have really been open about that, you know, hearing that, like Mm -hmm. one thing we talk about is how she really... Um, she led this active life, but she combined it in union with prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, right. We think, Oh, she was a sister. She just prayed all day, but no, you know, sister Faustina, she was helping all those women under the care of their community. She was, you know, she had hard work to do Mm -hmm. every day, but yet she united and was able to pray during throughout her day, throughout her vocation. And that's really a beautiful gift for us to learn. You know, she, she learned. I mean, trust is also obviously a huge yeah. thing for you know one of the lessons that Saint Faustina has has taught yeah. us to to trust in God and He maybe asks us to do something that is well beyond our capabilities, yeah. right? How do you how do you spread the message of divine mercy throughout the entire world, right? That was such a huge task before the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Before she was not a published author, she yeah. was not. She did not have great gift. She was highly, you know, mostly uneducated. So to see that she had such great trust that the Lord would use her talents and send the right people into her life. That is another, you know, a beautiful thing that we we share, share with women that 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 trust in God that He will ask us to do great things, Mm -hmm. but He will help us along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said earlier, the the sacred and the Ordinary and you know, just come to appreciate how big it is to have responsibility for other human beings, that it's not, oh, well, there are women doing these big things in the world, but I'm just a household mom. Talk about the greatness of the call to be a mother.
1: I know. I know we think that, oh, what what I do is not important. But I think one of the favorite things I've ever read, Father Mm -hmm. Gately wrote in our introduction to Divine Mercy for Moms. And he said, moms, you can help save the world because by those mundane tasks that nobody ever thanks you for, Mm -hmm. you by praying the chapel of mercy, when you're driving your kids to school, by praying for your kids, when you're doing the laundry, you know, by little acts of sacrifice day in and day out, we are sanctifying ourselves. We're sanctifying our families. And all these things are, are hugely Mm -hmm. important. And God might ask you to do something, something at your parish, you know, small steps, you know, God will always, you know, lead you. And then I have found that, you know, they, a popular saying is, you know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips mm-hmm. the called. And so you might feel that you're asked to lead a book study at yeah. your parish and you might feel, I can't do this, but you'll see that God would send, God always will send me a mentor yeah. in my life who, who has done this before. i say, oh, just do this, this, and this, and I'll help you, you know, and find a friend, you know, yeah. Emily and I always talk about finding a mercy partner, you know, find another mom who's, you know, in a similar situation. And when you think, well, gosh, I can't help this person right now. Can can, do you mind running over, running over a dish or yeah. can you mind, you know? So yeah, we say finding a mercy partner is yeah. also been a great thing. And then you also have that accountability, mm-hmm. having someone say, yes, I'll, you know, and I know you know this person needs help. Can you pray with this person? Right. You know so there's greatness to you know connecting with another mom to yeah. to live out this life of mercy
0: yeah and And, as we're talking about this, I think it's important to kind of point out like christina with with her care for the women and girls under the care of the congregation, kind of had a maternal role, you know, was in some sense a substitute mother. So it's not as though this is only for married women. This is definitely also for single women and women religious, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. She everyone is called to have this, you know, mothering vocation whether mm-hmm. you're married or single or a religious sister and we're all called to nurture life. Mm-hmm. And we do. We mother we mother all the people in our lives. Yeah. We mother, we might have we might not have children, but we have godchildren or nieces and nephews or grand, you know, like all different t- people in our lives, you know, you may be in a role where you're a teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, those, you're all always mothering
2: yeah.
1: um, other people and younger children. And so and it's correct. St. Faustina. she had to do so much, you know, they, she really cared for these women and mm-hmm. that were under the care of the congregation. And what a beautiful gift for us to see that, yeah. to, to emulate that and to, uh, to see that what we do is important mm-hmm. and, um and a gift.
0: Yeah. So, in light of that, definitely we have to talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary and Faustina's relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary.
1: She had such a beautiful relationship with the Blessed Mother. I, know, I remember reading she would say like a thousand Hail Marys on, mm-hmm. on these days, and I um, I loved how the Blessed Mother also appeared to her and mm-hmm. and you know helped her understand that she was her child as well. And I think a lot of us as women connect easily with the Blessed Mother because. Mm-hmm. Um, We are mothers, and we sometimes see how her role um, could, you know, very be similar to ours. So I've always had a a strong relationship with with the Blessed Mother. And I know I um, shared in um, the chapter I wrote in our friend Faustina about Mm -hmm. how I had suffered a a miscarriage. And um, it was, you know, one of those traumatic events. And Father Gately had encouraged me to to name the baby Mm -hmm. and to spend some time in prayer And I decided to do um, 33 Days of Morning Glory again. Um, And it was such a beautiful, peaceful, wonderful retreat, having that reminder of the presence of the Blessed Mother in my life. And the Consecration Day was on August 15th on Mm -hmm. the Feast of the Assumption. And that day I had received a special uh, a package in the mail that I was not sus- expecting, which was my Nana's prayer book. My aunt had found it. My Nana had passed away when I was in college. And she said she was cleaning things out and she found it and she felt that she was supposed to give it to me. And she said, and she as soon as she opened up, the prayer book. My photo had fallen out. It was my picture from sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she said, I knew that this was for you. And this is a special gift from Our Lady. And it was, the book is called Mother Love. And it, it's a mm-hmm. prayer book for mothers and how to live out, you know, grow in sanctity and and to be a mother of, of love. And ironically, that was also, I was in a household at Franciscan University and it our, our household name was Mother of Love. Mm-hmm. So that was such a special, special gift. And knowing that, mary was certainly there with me in my suffering mm-hmm. and i'm there to bless you know to be there alongside yeah. of me and um be an intercessor before the throne of god before me so mm-hmm. and i just you know saint faustina had also that that strong devotion to mm-hmm. to the blessed mother and um what a gift that was in her vocation
0: Yeah. and i'm glad you brought up suffering i'm sorry that i'm sorry that you had that suffering but also How did you, how do you make that co-redemptive? How do you take that? Festina is huge on offering her suffering, offering her will, offering her sacrifices. But how do you do it in practice?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard, right? Because we a lot of times waste our suffering, right? We Mm -hmm. forget. To to, But when you are going through, you know, something hard, you know, telling God, like, I accept this. Yeah. If this is your will, Lord, and please use my suffering to help others, to help the poor souls in purgatory, to help those in the world who need prayers the most. You know, just, yeah. you know, you place it back in the, in the Blessed Mother's hands and say, I, I give this back to you and distribute those merits as you see fit. Mm-hmm. And I think we are, we've kind of lost that art. Um, in our Catholic faith. Sometimes I think it's that offer it up type thing yeah. as, as a, seems like an old term, but it, really it is when, you know, suffering has a meaning. Mm-hmm. Victor Frankl said, it's, it's no longer suffering, Right? Yeah. it has. It, so having that meaning for our suffering that we're doing good for, for our greater, our church, our mm-hmm. world. Um, and it's a mindset to have to remember that when we suffer to, to bring it to prayer and to offer it back to God and, to allow him to use that suffering to make us, to make us saints.
0: Okay. How do we, is it the same process sanctifying ordinary tasks as it is offering suffering? Are they different?
1: Well, I can kind of, I mean, it can kind of be simple, sim- mm-hmm. similar because right we we're doing things that we don't, may not want to do or yeah. you know rather be doing something else yeah i think suffering can be also be more challenging especially suffering that is not by our choice right hmm. so you may be sick with something very t- you know cancer yeah. or your child is sick or you know some things you're, you're grieving and that type of suffering is heavy very heavy and deep mm-hmm. suffering so it's um can i think that is certainly more challenging and that's why we're called to be rooted in prayer early Mm -hmm. before that suffering hits because it kind of knocks your feet out from under you so when we're rooted in prayer then we are able to go into that rhythm of prayer and to still talking to god whereas if you sometimes go through a great difficulty and you haven't had that Mm -hmm. foundation of prayer you sometimes don't know where to start, right? Yeah. But that's the good news is sometimes other people are praying for you. The intercessory prayer yeah. then sometimes can uh, chin kick in when you when you can't pray. That's
0: mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, oh, so there's got to be sort of a separate offering of joy as well. You need to be giving him, kind of intending to give him the goodness as well in life.
1: Yeah. Every day, like our morning offering, right? Joys yeah. and sufferings of every day. Like offer it all back to God you know everything our blessings you know yeah. and that's why it's important to to look at your day and look at the joys and the sufferings and talk to God about them at the end of the day and to journal yeah. them so you don't for, you know, I like I love to look back on what I journaled and because you forget wow like God yeah. was so present in that moment you know mm-hmm. and you forget all these amazing things and those also help you through more challenging times yeah
0: and it's not simply a sacrifice it's not a giving up you're not supposed to necessarily give up your joy but you're supposed to give it you're supposed to share it with God.
1: Yes, sharing those those beautiful blessings and be grateful too. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we're in good times, it's easy, you know we don't we don't pray because we're in a, we're yeah. in a good period, but to say thank you for yeah. those blessings is is hugely important.
0: Okay. Yeah, it, it's interesting because praise and thanks, the kind of the heart of Catholic worship, but it's also the part of a healthy family life, right?
1: yes yes and that is probably the heart some of the hardest things to say in a family thank you or Mm -hmm. i'm sorry
2: yeah
0: (laughs)
1: Yeah. but when you say to your husband like thank you for working hard today or thank you for picking up the kids or you know and if they say thank you for you know doing your work today and thank you for making dinner like that changes the dynamics of things when you're feeling appreciated Mm -hmm. for what you've done and not that we do it for the appreciation but it's certainly um, builds the relationship and, and strengthens yeah. the relationship. So it's a, definitely an important thing to do and a, and a gift to be, to be always have that heart mm-hmm. of gratitude and, and even be grateful for the suffering. Yeah. Okay? Thank you, Jesus, for these, these small crosses.
0: Oh well, yeah. Thank you that this child exists. Thank you for this husband. Thank you that we have this family, even though right now it sucks. Thank you yes. for, for the gift of these people. Yeah, and, and remembering to praise. I think I mean that's one thing that's kind of the, the common joke about the children don't notice when the dinner is good, but they complain when the dinner is bad kind of thing.
1: Yes, you know, it's like you have a, a mouth to complain, you know, you complain about everything, but yeah. all of a sudden you're silent when things are good and you're yeah. happy. So to remember that the same for God, you know, we yeah, we can ease oftentimes ask for things or mm-hmm. complain about things, but thank you for the new you know, every day thank you God for a new day of life. Thank you for, yeah. you know, what I'm about to do today. Thank you for breakfast. Thank you for, yeah. you know, that I have a car and there's gas in my car. <laughs> yeah. All those little things that you take for granted uh, to be grateful for them is, is hugely important.
0: Okay. So as we wrap this up, let me just kind of round it out with what you're describing then is a fasting in spirituality. It seems like that would help to form the domestic church. Talk about how that would be, how that can happen? How? Can, what? What can people do? Like, how do they do this?
1: Well, first, to become familiar with the writings mm-hmm. of Saint Faustina, and if you don't feel like you're ready for the diary yet, start with a smaller book like our friend Faustina, that has chock full of diary mm-hmm. quotes that can really help you. And study it alongside with friends. That's one thing we did with our friend Faustina is we created a beautiful. Study Guide and Study Guide Questions and a video series with Father Chris Alar. And to do this with your friends in community has been really um, beautiful for women because then they decide to live out the works of mercy together. Mm -hmm. So they might read a chapter and watch the videos and say, wow, I want to be able to live this out in my life. And it's easier when your friends are doing it, right? We support each other. So having that support with your friends, and even if you do it with one other friend on your kitchen table, um, that's okay. So that's
0: a, that's really a gift. Okay, cool. And then kind of getting buy-in from your family, is that usually, do you think that's usually hard or how do people kind of broach this with their family?
1: Well, I think, you know, it, it. it's hard when your kids are little, they're, mm-hmm. it's much easier. Yeah. Like when you say, yeah. my daughters love, my little ones love the chapel of divine mercy. They love the, the Marian's app. My daughter, like, can I have your phone to say, yeah. that use the app to pray the chocolate? So they're so sweet and innocent. So starting young is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can be more challenging when they're older, but. Just keep planting those seeds, keep inviting them to, and then, you know, things like Divine Divine Mercy Sunday that's non-negotiable. We're going to go as a family to Mass, and we're going to go to Divine Mercy Mm -hmm. Sunday celebration. Or when we do things for other, you know, other people, it's, you know, we're coming to bring, you know, we're all going to this funeral, or we're all going Mm -hmm. to this wake, or we're, you know, those are all things that you just... Instill in your yeah. in your children, and and you hope that that seed that you planted takes root, and that when they become adults, that they choose to live out that life of mercy and and continue to to grow in in the devotion and and the praying the chaplet and and to really learning more about God's great mercy and love.
0: Great, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a great conversation. Again, her book is Our Friend Faustina: Life Lessons in Divine Mercy. That's from Marion Press. Thank you so much. Thank you. To order our friend Faustina, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks
3: for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit Divine Mercy plus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's Divine Mercy plus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org